Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of ISACA TV. My name is Bill Berg, and I'm the Director of Digital Innovation here at ISACA. And joining me today, all the way from Australia, is Raven David. Raven, thanks for being part of our Industry Spotlight interview today. Thank you, Bill, and it's an absolute pleasure to be part of it. Thanks. Uh, Raven, you and I met briefly when you participated in our Thread of the Landscape panel discussion at ISACA's virtual Oceana conference last year. Since then, we started to see the name Raven David pop up more and more internally here at ISACA and uh, in our volunteer circles as well. And we thought we should give our listeners a glimpse into who you are and what you do. Are you ready to start? Absolutely. All right, let's go. First off, you know, after reading your bio, Raven, I noticed that you have quite the interesting background. Can you give us a little uh, insight on where you're from and what you do? Absolutely. So professionally, I'll start off with that. I started off in the infrastructure space, uh, working behind a data center, um, patching panels, creating switches, logging in and configuring things, uh, working really hands-on with the physical side of the world. Um, then I've started to move on into an enterprise organization within the service desk realm, so working in a support type capacity. And then I managed to stay there long enough to be promoted into a, um, an administrative function, so looking after Active Directory and things of that nature. I was able to kind of demonstrate myself enough to then be promoted into a governance and risk compliance sort of space. And this is about the time when cybersecurity became a very prevalent um, industry almost as much as it is today. This is where I've really found my knack and I really found what I was passionate about. And this is where I started moving into other organizations such as retail organizations, utility, uh, and now more recently in the higher education and research area. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, you know, this is always funny. Um, you just described what you do, but you know, how would, how would your parents or your friends describe what you do? I know my parents, I've been doing this for 20 some years and they think I just make random videos. They don't know what that means. So what would, how would you say your, what your parents and friends describe well, what you do for a living? Well, funnily enough, I, I've actually asked them that question before and the answers I got were pretty varying. Some were really impressive. So I've actually got mental note of what those answers were. So kind of when I asked my dad, um, he sort of said, yeah, you know, you protect computers. And that was pretty much what it was. I tried to dig in a little bit deeper there, but that's pretty much the extent of where it landed. Uh, I've asked others and they've said, yeah, you know, you're that guy that when I call the service desk and someone picks it up, you're that guy, right? <laughs> and then uh, when I actually asked my mother, uh, she gave me the most impressive answer. And I don't know if it's because she's watched so many movies, but she just gave me a very good answer. She said, you're, yeah, you're actually protecting the perimeter of our country. And I said, you know, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, there's different types of attacks. There's physical attacks, there's people bombing each other and there's people attacking each other, but there's also cyber attacks, right? So you're actually there trying to protect our perimeter. And I said, yeah, that's actually a better answer than I would have came up with. <laughs> so, so I think it's, um, it's quite a nice feeling actually for my mom to actually say that. Because uh, it means she truly understands what I do. Um, so, yeah. That's great. Oh, yeah. Plus one for Raven's mom because, uh, <laughs> yeah, my mom just doesn't understand. But that's <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, you know, you, did, uh, you didn't have a traditional educational journey when you grew up. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that and uh, how that came about? Absolutely. Yeah. So when I started off, and to be completely honest with you, um, education was really important for me. So growing up in school, I was just there to have fun, rightly or wrongly. Education was almost that 
side thing that was going on whilst I was in school. You know, I was more involved in having fun with friends and, and not really paying too much attention. Didn't really apply myself, I thought, um, nor did I really think if I did apply myself, would I get somewhere, to be completely honest with you. I was just too infatuated with, with having a great time. At that time, you know, the result that I even got, what we call a HSC, wasn't, wasn't something I could actually work with either. Um, it was something that really meant either I can get into any kind of workforce, but not something that sets me up for a university or, or college type arrangement. What did end up happening is my uncle actually intervened right after school and he said, you know, we've got to sort this kid out. Let's put him into something that um, he's going to enjoy. And at the time, everybody knew I loved to play with computers and rip them apart and put them back together sort of thing. So, so he put me into a TAFE course. Um, TAFE is kind of like a similar to a college type organization in Australia. Um, this is where I started to learn a bit more professionally about IT and I started to get my passion going. Right after about two years in that space, I immediately found a job actually in that domain. And just from then on, it just took off. No, that's great. That's great to know that too, that uh, uh, people, they are young professionals here don't need to follow that traditional me um, method of, of going to school, going to college and doing all that stuff. There's many ways you can go about uh, getting into this field. And, and that's one way and you're proven to be a success at that. So thanks, Raven, for that. I did hear a rumor, though, when you were in uh, high school that you may have done a little hacking. Do you have a, a story there? Yeah, absolutely. So this is about, you know, 11 or 12 years ago when some of the operating systems weren't really set up in a way that could prevent even some of the more mundane foundational type of attacks. So uh, I used what was called a remote access Trojan and they still use these days, but through the likes of things like MSN or IRC, kind of showing my age there, but these were chatting capabilities that you would use when you would want to communicate with your friends and things like that. You know, I would bind a, a file to a picture and just say, hey, do you want to open up this picture? And it could be a picture of a car or a picture of something that I thought that individual would be interested in seeing. So, you know, a bit of social engineering there as well. When they'd open up that file, it would open up a connection to their computer and, you know, I'd have my way. Uh, what I would like to do, though, was just for fun. It was really just for fun. You know, I was I was a I really enjoyed the Matrix movie, so I'd actually black screen their their machine and actually communicate with them, and you know, tell them I'm I'm Morpheus from the Matrix, and they need to unplug and and all this sort of stuff. And you know, the funny thing is, even to this day, uh, they don't know it was me. <laughs> so, so if they're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, they're gonna absolutely know now for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's great. So. Keeping on, on your youth there, uh, you know, what would you tell your younger self um, now about what your current profession is? Hmm. Yeah, look, I would actually say to my younger self, if you found something that you were good at, try and find a way that you can make it a, a, a profession. So at the time when I was doing this hacking, it was like for fun. Um, but if I actually thought about it in a, in a different way, I could have said at that point, let me open this up and see how far I can get professionally because the reality was at the time I wasn't thinking in that way um, but but if I had been able to I probably would have started my journey a little bit earlier whether whether I'm in a land of regret now is you know yet to be foreseen but I think what I what I would have done if I was looking into a window right now I would say hey guys uh, oh, hey buddy um, you know <laughs> you could probably do something with that skill so yeah that's probably what I would say 
Okay. Is it, uh, Raven, is it safe to say that uh, you would probably tell this, this the same thing to the next generation or upcoming leaders, security leaders that are coming up? Would you tell them the same advice? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I would say if you if you find something that you're passionate about, um, pursue it. What, I, what I've noticed is a lot of people um, starting off in their career are a little bit adamant about or cautious, uh, which I should say, about which area to dive into, especially when it comes to cybersecurity such a broad domain and broad field. A lot of people think if I dive into one area, I'm gonna be stuck there forever. The reality is once you get into one space in cyber, it's actually quite nice in terms of the lateral movement you can do in the other domains. So don't feel if you jump both feet into one area, you're gonna be stuck there forever. Uh, it's highly likely that you're gonna be moving around. It's quite fluid and just get involved. Just that's the key. If, if you find something you're good at, just get involved, give it a try um, and, and see how you go. Okay. And along those lines, Raven, um, you know, in order to continue that education, how do you self-educate? Where do you go to continue your adult education? Yeah, absolutely. So I should probably say in, in my earlier years, I was talking about how, um, you know, education wasn't important to me. Later on in life, and even now, especially, it's become one of the most important things to me. So I picked up my degree whilst I was at work. And that was pretty amazing for me because I was working with the same ideas that I was studying. I could really apply it quite nicely. So that, that, that was quite comforting for me. It was a bit of a challenge to go to work, you know, finish at 6 and then go to university, get there at 7 and finish at 10.30 p.m. only to start work the next day. But... I really had the energy and I thought oh, this is a great opportunity to use that energy. Um, what I found for the skill with, with education and self-educating is find a thing that you want to do, right? It's probably very obvious. So say, for example, you want to learn how to play the saxophone. I'm going to make a non-technical example here. You want to play the saxophone. You want to learn how to use the saxophone. Don't just go and pick up a saxophone and play the saxophone. Actually say, okay, I actually want to learn a song actually want to write a song, have a project in mind that requires you to learn the sub-skill that you're looking to learn, but have an output in mind. That's great advice, Raven. Thank you. Raven, what's a commonly held belief about your role that you passionately disagree with? Yeah, look, I think something right now, we're on this verge in our industry where there's a little bit of an expectation that a cybersecurity professional is an expert in the multitude of domains. The reality is that's not the case. Cybersecurity is a huge field and we're really starting to see how huge it is with the emergence of distinct roles like identity and access management. Uh, we have network security specialists, we have ethical hackers, we have security architecture, all within their different domains, all experts within their own field. Because we're in this growth period, uh, there still is this disbelief that a cybersecurity professional is an expert in all of these fields. The reality is they need to know a bit of an overview about all the different areas that exist, and that's fair enough, but don't expect them to be able to dive deep into that area. There are experts that, that know that. And I think us as professionals, we need to start accepting that fact just as well as others are, are, are imposing that fact on us. It's a huge domain. And, and like I said, those distinct expert fields, uh, they have their own quality, they have their own in, uh, intricacies. So we can't expect to know them all in terms of the length and breadth that's expected of us. Mm -hmm. No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. 
what 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 is the biggest challenge the industry is facing today, Raven? And and what opinions do you have to make it better? Yeah, I think one thing that we're we're really struggling with at the moment is diversity, and I think a lot of people already understand and and know that. When I think diversity, I think uh, age, gender, culture, background, professional background, cultural background. I'm talking all shades of diversity. I think a way in which it causes problems is because it puts us in this pigeonhole thinking mode where we're living in an industry that really knows no boundaries. The bad guys out there, they're not thinking in a pigeonhole way. They're thinking, absolutely, what are all the holes that I can exploit? So we need to start thinking diversely. So this is why it's a problem. I think a way in which we can address it is start opening the door to more entry-level roles for cybersecurity. And I think we can do it by by starting to talk about some of those niches. So like a third-party risk management type role, for example, is a a niche area which is starting to have its own legs um, in, in the industry. So I think we can potentially bring candidates with a year, two years experience into this area and develop them. I think we need to start thinking more about um, developing these these entry roles to be able to frame ourselves for the future, but also open the door for people that don't have five, 10, 20 years experience and and, and really start breaking those boundaries. Something that I've seen, um, you know, quite often, which I'm not too happy about is, you know, we write these magnificent uh, position descriptions and they often contain things like must have this cert and must have that cert and must have this cert. I think this is the wrong perception we need to, uh, where we're putting on people. We should say, if we have the right candidate, then we will facilitate you achieving your education goals. So if you're looking for that SISM or that C-RISC or, or whatever it is that you're looking for, we can help you achieve that because development is the real thing that we're going to do to break these diversity boundaries. Raymond, that makes sense. You know, you're a good example of what someone who isn't in the field is never too late to to get into it, um, to get that education, and to to jump into this. You're right. It doesn't matter who you are, what you you know, what you've done in the past. You could you can get into this field and and help out because it's not going away anytime soon. So that's that makes great sense. Raven, you worked for large corporations with twenty thousand plus people. How do you make yourself stand out amongst all that huge crowd? Yeah, great question, Bill. For me, it's all about working with people. Um, I'm a true believer that people at the end of the day is what makes an organization great. It's not the service they're offering. It's not the product they're creating. It's nothing like that. It's not even the fact that they might have great processes and practices. At the end of the day, it's the people. So the way I try and make myself stand out is getting to know those individuals on a personal level, figuring out what it is that makes them tick, and then work towards the outcomes that I want to achieve. It works quite well for me. And at the same time, I'm actually having a good time. I'm actually enjoying where I work. I'm reporting the the right behaviors for other individuals to actually stay in the organization as well. At the end of the day, you want to work in a place where you can trust other individuals, you can get to know other individuals, and being personable with one another makes an organization great to work for. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that 100%, Raven. I try to bring that to my my team as well, trying to have fun to, to keep them here, to keep it exciting. Because you're right, just because it's work doesn't mean it has to be work, right? So, no, that's a great answer. I do understand that uh, you established a security awareness program for a utility uh, back in the day. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Absolutely. So security awareness is, uh, is something that's quite near and dear to my heart. 
I think it speaks volumes about an organization if it has a great awareness program. What it means is it cares about the individuals on a personal level, because although we're teaching our staff not to click on phishing links and all the sort of simple ideas that we're often associated with awareness, we're actually looking after our staff because those behaviors that we educate our staff around social engineering, around those phishing situations, they can actually use those skills in their personal life. This is the tactic that we used at the utility. So what I mean by that is we actually brought in people like police, people like what we call the e-safety commissioner in Australia to come in and talk to people, talk to our staff, not about phishing dangers or how not to click on a link, but actually about things that matter. And when I'm talking about things like matter, I'm talking about cyberbullying, talking about image-based abuse, talking about social networking um, damage for our young people in the country. Although this is not directly um, re related to the situation we want staff to have, we actually want them to learn the behaviors. At the end of the day, it's about those behaviors that staff will pick up on. And if you have a demographic with parents, you have a demographic with young people, and this is exactly what most organizations have, it's quite a wide demographic, then they can pick up on those behaviors and say, well, I actually want to be able to defend myself and I understand the value of defending an organization. So those behaviors naturally come. So this is the strategy that we used. And rather than pushing the material on our staff, they were coming to us. So they were actually coming to us. Some of the uh, forums that we held, and, and like I mentioned before, when we had the police come in and do a great talk, there were full auditoriums of 300 plus people actually sold out of tickets. And it was, it was the only type of, you know, let's call lunch and learn uh, scenario that actually sold out. So we were really, really proud of that. And I think it was a very effective program. Oh, that's fantastic. And congratulations on that, by the way. That's that's a great feat. I have to admit, you're one of the first people I've heard talk about, you know, that other side of, of the coin there, the cyberbullying and stuff like that, and how important it is to understand that. So uh, keep fighting that fight, Raven. I think that's great. We need to get more people on board with that. As I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, uh, we noticed that you're doing a lot more volunteering here at ISACA, Raven. You know, how do you feel that being actively involved in ISACA's uh, volunteer initiatives has, has helped you in your career and your network? Being involved in the volunteering is great in a lot of different ways. Um, the networking that you can, you can establish is amazing. I've met really incredibly talented people that I want to sustain these relationships for the foreseeable future and their personal relationships as well. And I really, really enjoy that about volunteering, but also just giving back to the community. I mean, we've learned so much with the experience that we've gained and our experiences are unique to us. Although they uh, share similar situations, we can often give so much back to the community. And this is what it's all about for me. If there's any way that I can try and provide some of the learnings that I've got that would help people in any way, shape or form, this would be amazing. And since I've started to be more involved in some of these initiatives, I've come to appreciate the industry so much more and just how wide it is and just how large it really is. So that's that's something that I would really recommend for anybody that's looking to expand their horizons in the way of networking, but also thinks that they have something to give back to the community. It'll honestly pay in dividends if you if you put your name in the hat. So I really recommend it. Thank you. And on behalf of ISACA, I thank you for volunteering and helping us out with our materials and content. Thank you, Raven. All right, I'm going to take us off track here a little bit. 
I heard that you are uh, working on a 3D printer chess set. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? My kids got a 3D printer for Christmas. They haven't opened it yet. I'm just waiting for them to make me a Darth Vader pen holder. That's all I want. But this sounds way more fun than that. Well, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it actually uh, plays into the idea of how to self-educate. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to learn how to use a 3D printer. Uh, I wanted to learn Python. And I wanted to learn how to use Arduinos. So rather than you know just kind of learning those three separate ideas in their own isolated way, I thought, what would be a good project I could work on that would require me to actually learn those sub-skills whilst creating something, you know? Um, and, and this is basically what I started doing. So the way in which it's going to work, and, you know, this is, this is my idea at the moment, it's half-drafted uh, with a couple of prototypes. So the chess pieces themselves will be printed from a PLA basic printer, and the chess pieces will have a cavity in the middle of the piece. That cavity will have sort of a magnet type device, which when put on a chessboard, which is also 3D printed, would interact with the actuators for an Arduino that I'm actually setting up. The Arduino will actually start interacting with the piece so that if I move a piece, say a pawn, for example, two spaces from where it is in the base location, that will be programmed into the actual chessboard so that the opponent knows where to move. It's a live-like chess set that you can take anywhere you'd like to and play wherever you'd like to. So I'm an avid believer that I think chess is a great game. I think the idea behind it is amazing. I think there's a lot of programming that needs to be done, and I'm using Python as the language to do that, although there are other languages I've, I've been told can achieve the same goal. So Python will be the, the engine, the chess engine behind the scenes, and um, Arduinos will be the actuators, and the 3D printer is used to print out the chess set, the pieces, and yeah, I think it's going okay. I've got the board, I've got a prototype for the board and, and a couple of the pieces. I'm just having a bit of trouble with the Arduinos at the moment, but the program is probably the easiest side of things, which I'm finding quite interesting. But yeah, it's, it's going okay. I'll probably be finished sometime in 2030. <laughs> well, that was going to be my next question for you is when are we going to start playing? But uh, 2030, but <laughs> at least you have a goal. That, that's, that's a good goal to have set. So, well, fantastic. And good luck with that as well. Well, Raven, we're, we're going to be wrapping up here shortly. Um, I do have one more question for you, and that's, you know, how can our listeners learn more about you and connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can reach out to me on my LinkedIn. I'm totally open to, to meeting new people from different industries and talking about any idea, whether it's related to cybersecurity. If you're interested in knowing a bit more about my 3D printing um, endeavor or would like to share your own ideas, please do reach out. Uh, there's a lot of things I'm passionate about. And I would love to discuss those ideas with you because I think collaboration is key. I think that's the way we can um, progress our profession uh, by breaking those barriers and, and, and communicating with each other. So, yeah, please do reach out uh, and connect with me on LinkedIn. Great. Well, as I mentioned, uh, that's all the time we have for today. Raven, I feel like I can talk to you all day. So I appreciate your time and effort today. Uh, any last words before we go? Absolutely. Look, I think if anybody's trying to really break into the industry, have a go. I think just just pick your niche and just dive in there and, and give it a real go. Uh, we've, we've been talking about how development is important. I think our leadership needs to start thinking about that a bit better. I think we need to start bringing those entry-level roles into our domain and breaking those barriers 
and opening the door to people from those different backgrounds. It's all relative and it's all, it's all important for us to advance the profession in, in our industry. Great. Thanks again, Raven. On behalf of Raven David, I'm Bill Berg. Goodbye and enjoy the rest of your day.